And we are live for the 21st episode of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi, and tonight I'm with Andrew, and I'm with G. How you boys doing? I'm doing lovely, man. How yourself? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Um, I fucking hate Sonny Gray. That's, I'm just going to get that out of the way right now. I'm just going <laughs> to put it out there. And that's our podcast. <laughs> and that's the show. We'll see you guys next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so the title of this episode is called Blast Sonny Gray to the Moon, and I legitimately mean that. Um, I want him far away from my pitching rotation as possible. But, yeah, a lot of happened in Yankee World this weekend. Obviously, Sonny Gray being continuing to be terrible, being kind of the biggest storyline. But, nevertheless, Sonny could not prevent the Yankees from taking two of three north of the border, just winning another series. That's all the Yankees do. All, they really don't sweep a lot of teams. They just take two or three, it seems like, every series. So the Yankees, they recovered from Sonny, but it – it was a rough one Friday, but boys, what do you think of the Yanks in north of the border this weekend? How you enjoy the series? I did, except Friday. Okay, I'll go. Um, so, go, hey, welcome to the show, man. <laughs> Hello, what's up? You know, got that series win, which is important. It's hard to really predict that they're going to go on and extended run or point to any part of the schedule where they're going to go on an extended run as long as Sonny Greg is going out there every five days. Um, but they overcame that and got the Saturday and the Sunday game, you know, in their pocket. Even they overcame not the best start by Luis Severino, but I mean, they're a better team than most of the teams are going to face and they, they got two wins. So and you just move on to the next one. Yeah, one of the Severino, that was one of his worst starts of the year, probably. That would probably have been one of Sonny Gray's best starts of the year. Not exaggerating there either. Yeah, Son, uh, Sevy um, was definitely laboring. Son, mm-hmm, absolutely. But Sonny Gray, you know, we're just going to jump right into right into it. Uh, Friday, you like every time Sonny Gray just has a stinker, you say, oh, that's the worst it's going to get. Well, I think Friday might have been the worst it's going to get. It was the shortest outing of the year. He was didn't even make it past three innings. Uh, Justin smoked three-run home run off of him. Um, just, just His ERA is nearly six now. Uh, he's five and seven. He's lost his last three starts. And the worst part about all of this is that it, Aaron Boone is just you – know, he's not skipping a start in the rotation. He's, he's our best option right now. And, you know, I, I get that's manager talk. But my God, you're you're just straight up lying to a fan base when you're saying that Sonny Gray is your best option out there. I mean, how much worse can Justice Sheffield or not even Sheffield? Because I get that they want to develop him a little bit more. But just how can any guy be worse than what Gray's been this year? He has been so awful. He is. I said it on the last show. His quotes. He just has no confidence. He's saying, oh, well, we're the best team in baseball, except when I pitch. Why the hell are you saying that, man? You're a major league pitcher. You're a talented guy. You shouldn't be down in the dumps like that. The guy's shot. The guy is officially shot. I'm done with Sonny Gray. I hate him so much. Take it away, boys. <laughs> I think right now he's starting the next time through the rotation because it's against Baltimore, who he's beaten twice this year. Uh, and then from there, uh, anything goes. So, uh, I guess first let's see how he does in that start. If he continues to just be a massacre, uh, then we may never see him start again the rest of the year, uh, barring another injury. Uh, it's been tragic, to put it lightly. Uh, it's painful every time you put on the TV. And 
on Friday, it went back to the old Sonny Gray where he's nibbling. He has no confidence in his stuff. He's yanking balls down in the dirt. I was actually tracking uh, the game on on the app. Uh, I was on the bus home from the city, and I noticed through the first two innings, I don't think he threw a single two-strike curveball, which to me just says he doesn't have any confidence in that pitch to put guys away with. And that was a huge red flag to me. Yeah, uh, he just, like like you said, lack of confidence. You could tell it in his quotes. Um, but really, what, like, in a realistic, like, in a realistic frame, what are they going to do with this guy? I mean, you just try to dump him off somewhere to a crappy team? Do you shut him down for a start or two? Because I, I, I'm a big believer. I even said we should have done this with Tanaka last year. I'm a big believer in just giving a guy a start off or a couple starts off. Just let them reset, you know, let them do a few bullpen sessions. Just take them out of the rotation for a bit. Not enough guys do that because to keep putting Sonny Gray out there every four or five days when you're in the middle of an AL East race and when Boston doesn't just not lose anytime the Yankees win, Boston wins, you can't afford to have Sonny Gray out there. If we lose this division by a game, two games, three games, we're just going to look at Sonny Gray and say, well, probably should have pulled the plug on this guy a little bit sooner. So, you know, what are the Yankees going to do with Sonny Gray, like realistically, in your guys' opinion? Um, <clears throat> it's hard right now because, I mean, if Tanaka comes back, that will, um, you know, take, I guess, a little bit of the pressure off of them um, for a little while. You know, we're coming up fast on the deadline here. Um, if If they move him, that would obviously solve the problem. It would be hard to really predict in what scenario that would really happen because you're pretty much selling at a low as, as low the stock is going to be. But I mean, I feel bad for the guy because, you know, he seems like a nice guy and all that, but that really, you know, it's not why they pay him a salary. Um, it hasn't been good really for any prolonged stretch since he got here last year. And, you know, he was up and down. They didn't even really use him in the playoffs. And we all thought that he would, you know, I'll give him the off season and he'll adjust and all that. And it just didn't happen. And other than this, what was it? I'm looking at it right now. There's like three out of four starts in early June. Um, It's just been bad. Like, and I think I saw somewhere online the last couple of days, like 10 out of the Yankees, 20, it's around 30, yeah, around thirty percent of their losses. Ten out of the twenty-nine losses were in games that he started, and um, yeah, I mean, it's especially in a like you said in a, a division where you know they're in a division with another really good team, and you can't at some point, you know, it's not the beginning of the season anymore. We're halfway through the season, and you're really going to start looking forward to, you know, the division race and what it's going to come down to, and it's at some point it's just irresponsible to keep running the guy out there when his results are getting worse and not better. And B it's just kind of not fair to him. You know, his like, I mean, his confidence is already kind of going in the crapper, but it's just not fair to him to keep going out there and just getting blasted. Like you have to change the situation somehow. Absolutely. Hey, hey look, I like the idea of pulling him out of the rotation and letting him throw a couple of bullpens, maybe miss two or, you know, one or two times through the, the rotation. But what do you do from, a roster standpoint, you have to carry him. So you're just going to short yourself two weeks carrying 24 men and you can use. Um, that's the trick. And then adding Tanaka in, wait, is he's going to start one of the double header games tomorrow, right? I believe. Um, like, what, what, do you, what do you do? Is I'm assuming Clint is going to get sent down, maybe? Like, I, I mean, 
going to be a CC and Sessa tomorrow. Tanaka's supposed to start Tuesday, I believe. Sorry, so yeah, Tanaka's going to go Tuesday. So maybe but they even can even like, what, what do you do with all these guys? You can't. Yeah. You're gonna have to drop someone yeah. to bring Tanaka back on. On and then, what do you do with Sonny? You have if he's gonna be on the roster, he has to pitch. So the all the option is either Phantom injury him and let him quote unquote rehab, but he's really just figuring his shit out, or you have to just bite the bullet and let him go out there and just pray for the best every time. Yeah, the reason why I like shutting them down now would be perfect because you have the all-star game coming up. So you really only have to make miss one start and then he's not scheduled to start against uh, Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, retroactively be almost getting a couple weeks off, but it it really is just such a tough situation. Cause like you said, you can't just have him on the roster and not have him pitch, especially with low IC going down and Tanaka still being, or not coming back till Tuesday. It's just a tough situation that this guy's put him in. I mean, you know, we thought this was going to be the pitcher that, you know, was going to be that number two, number three guy to help us in the postseason. And, man, he's not like Sonny Gray pitching in the postseason. That's that's like a joke right now. That's You're not even a thinking. Nightmare you just, yeah, you just hope he gets through this season. You just hope he's not awful. But, you know, when talking about who's going to replace Sonny Gray or who, what other starting pitchers the Yankees could get, a name that has been mentioned a lot is J.A. Happ. Uh, J.A. Happ. We're going to talk about this a little later. Was named an All Star, which is ridiculous, but J.A. Happ nevertheless has been linked with a lot of Yankee rumors. Yankees have been watching. Our very own Alex Weir very much wants J.A. Happ, and he was on the mound Saturday against the Yanks, and he got absolutely pummeled. I mean, six walks. I mean, start a Guardian Judge start off the game with back to back homers. Um, Four run first inning. He was out quick. He had probably even a worse start than Gray had Friday. Um, not the not the best audition for J.A. Happ. Um, he was obviously going up against Seve. Talked about Seve. Didn't have the best start, but nevertheless got the win. His 14th win of the year. Leads baseball. Yanks took this one 8-5. to five. And, man, the Yanks were – they were hitting like Sonny Gray was on the hill, you know. But mm-hmm. they, they needed all those runs, right? Because even with a guy like Seve, you can't assume that he's just going to go seven innings of shutout or one-run ball every time. He's going to have games like that in the Yanks' offense. Did a great job of giving him that early cushion. But, yes, Sevy, really, you just look at it. This is how far he's come, where a start like he had on Saturday, you look at him like, man, he was not good. Still went five innings, still gave the Yanks, you know, still kept the Yanks in the game, still set them up very well to win that game. And this is why that I think Sevy is named the all-star team, and I think he should be starting the all-star game, man. I mean, I thought it was a crazy thought. I was like saying how oh no way Sebi starts the All Star game a couple weeks ago now I'm I hate that person that was saying that two weeks ago because he's just he's been the best pitcher in the AL especially with Verlander taking himself out of the All Star game I believe that was announced on ESPN I think it's Sebi's All Star game man he's been awesome but did, did Verlander take himself out or did he start one of the last couple of games or is he going to start one of the last couple of games? When they were announcing on ESPN all the starters, they basically said that Verlander would be replaced by, I believe it was Trevor Bauer, they said. So what, whatever, whether he did it or uh, Hinch did, I, I don't know. But Verlander, I guess, will not be starting the All-Star game. So I think that would make it between you know either Sevy or Kluber. And obviously it just depends on who Hinch picks, but – yeah, that game Saturday it was that was a that was a good that was a fun game Saturday. Uh, Guardy Guardy had a big game. Uh, really, just you need to score runs sometimes for your starting pitchers, and even if it's Sevy, 
I mean, I think there really is a good case to make, though, for Severino being the best pitcher oh, in, in the American League because I'm looking at his game log right now. and Consistency. Yeah, exactly. Like, So the only start all season where he gave up three more than three earned runs or I guess three or three runs in general was his second uh let's see his third start of the season the, the one Boston, in Boston, the Boston pitched like crap mm-hmm. gave up five runs that was literally it and that was the only month so far July doesn't count but for the first three months of the season where he gave up double digit earned runs in the month like um so yeah and we I mean we were all wound up about Verlander and he was pitching to like a sub two ERA. Like, I mean, he had a couple bad starts recently, but like Severino's literally just been basically this for the whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, these are a few uh, little nuggets from uh, Brian Hoax uh, recap from Saturday. That's Severino's 16th consecutive start where he's allowed three earned runs or less. And that was the first time all year that he's allowed more than one Homer in a game. So just, I mean, just like when you when you read stats like that about Severino, it really just puts into perspective how on point and like I said before, how consistent he's been all throughout the season. Yeah, what I was most impressed with in that start is that, granted, he was laboring a lot. He threw a lot of pitches early on, but that's the kind of game where, you know, two three years ago we'd see him give up six seven runs, and he yeah. just grinded through it. Didn't give the team the best performance, but certainly enough to win. The offense gave him playing a cushion up front, and that's the stuff an ace does. They're going to have off days, and he still was good enough to win nine times out of ten pitching like that uh, on his worst day. So that was super impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that that Saturday game, that was also the game where, you know, we saw Hicks leave the game in the middle of the game. I, I just come back to my TV, and I see Clint Frazier in the outfield. I said, oh, man. I, like, I knew it wasn't Gardner or Judge. I knew it was Hicks that left the game, but – no MRI required for Hicks. And then Chappie comes in the ninth, gets an out, and all of a sudden his left knee is bothering him. That left knee tendonitis that's been bothering him throughout the season. He was removed from the game. Neither guy played on Sunday, but neither guy required an MRI. Boom said both should be fine. So a little, little scary there, especially like, we'll talk about this a little bit after. Obviously, Glaber going on the DL, um, getting hurt against the uh in the series from the past week but yeah you just never the injury bug was plaguing the yankees in the beginning of the season and it's been it's been staying away from the clubhouse at late but man that that saturday game I, I was definitely a bit nervous when uh both hicks and Chappie went down two guys that have been on fire i mean obviously hicks isn't an all-star but he's he's had a fantastic season he's been awesome of late so Glad, glad that neither of those guys have a uh, serious, serious injuries. I think. Um, well, I mean, we talked a few minutes ago about like the roster implications and Sonny Gray and all that stuff. I think that, um, especially since we've seen Boone, you know, like to give guys off days and generally err on the side of caution and keeping guys fresh, like with the long term in mind. Um, if Tanaka, you know, if he's coming back within the next couple of days, you'll probably see Clint Frazier stick around. And especially if Sessa's pitching, then you'd probably see him get sent down, right? I mean, unless they send someone else, another, haven't shown any interest in going one less arm in the bullpen. Um, but I think Clint Frazier is probably going to get some playing time the next couple of days. 
Yeah, I think that'd be a safe assumption. Absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, so, and then let's uh, finish it off with uh, Andrew. Any other thoughts about the uh, Saturday game, that eight-five victory? Uh, no, nah, I, I just <laughs> I'm replaying my mind right now that uh, that Brandon Jury single that uh, Kevin Pillar played into oh, a yeah. two-run double, uh, which <laughs> I was listening to the radio today and. Sterling was talking about, oh, anything in front of him, anything behind him, to his left or right. Pilar gets everything. And I was thinking, like, eh, I kind of misplayed that one yesterday. <laughs> and, like, you were right here and you saw it happen. Um, no, yeah, but, I mean, great, nothing, that's really, nothing that's really of note from, from yesterday's game. Today, uh, good bullpen performance uh, in back of Domingo Herman, who threw up a, a good start. Uh, it seems like David Robertson is going to be the closer for the time being if – Chapman needs a couple of days off, which uh, I know, at least from my perspective, I'm not the most comfortable with just because he's had a couple <laughs> rocky outings. But I love Dylan in the eighth inning. He's probably the the best pitcher in their bullpen if Chapman's not available. But mm-hmm. Dylan's just so good in the eighth. Why would you touch that? Yeah. Yeah. And let's uh, let's talk about that. Obviously, I didn't put that in the show notes. But yeah, let's because I saw that on Twitter. And I think it was the Yes Network Twitter page that asked it. Basically, if Chapman was to miss, you know, an extended amount of time. Who would you want, obviously, on the Yankees in the Yankees bullpen already? Who would you want to close? And I saw a lot of people saying Batances. And to me, I said, look, no way. I no offense to Batances. I remember him, you know, trying to be a closer, then put trying to put him in that closer role in 15 and 16. It just didn't work out that well. And he's been so awesome in the role he's been in currently. I mean, he's literally been the best relief pitcher in baseball over the past six weeks. Why change anything? Why put him? Why take him out of that role? It's only it can't he can't pitch any better than he's already pitching. So why not just keep him in that same role? Bingo. Like that, yeah, I, uh, like I don't know, man. Having D Rob in that closer, like I almost it's tough, man, because I want to say Green, but it's almost like again the same argument for Batances. I like the role Green is in right now, and then I don't trust Holder enough, so it probably I probably would pick D Rob by default. Thing about Green is that he can pitch multiple innings, and he's not usually coming in three or four times a week. He'll pitch one or two spots, but he'll come in in high leverage situations, and usually for an extended outing. If that's the use for him right now, he's not suddenly going to be. Oh, you need him three out of four nights to pitch the ninth inning. Um, you're right. I, I say keep him where he is as well. I'm okay with Robertson getting a chance to do that, and um, if only because everyone else, like you guys were saying, everyone else has been really good and. Robertson, throw him out in the ninth and see if maybe he can, I don't know, recapture his former self or something like that. But, I mean, like, you know, the the guys like Batances, I think it's has thrown 17 consecutive scoreless appearances, and Chad Green, I'm pretty sure it's like 16 consecutive scoreless appearances. Like, they have no problem getting to the ninth with leads and – Hopefully Chapman's only down for like a couple days, but I, I I'd give Robertson a chance just because he's done it with you know good success for a period of time. Yeah, it's easy for you to say that because you're the only co-host in this in on this pod tonight who hasn't had their birthday nuked by David Robertson. <laughs> All right, I mean the season's not over yet, so that's uh, true. <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, so if he actually does that on my birthday, then it would probably be really bad since that would be one of those late season games that hey. made. Who do they play? Who do they end the season with? Is it Tampa or Toronto at home, maybe? I believe they end the season in Boston. Red Sox. Oh, geez. So, yeah, that I'll would be it. basically I'll take it right the now. worst possible time. 
I guess we'll see how this. <laughs> Your birthday is the last game of the regular season. So, Fenway to end the season, and yeah, the series before is a four-game set in Tampa. Yeah, that's They're, the Yankees' last four series are Toronto for three games, Boston three games, Baltimore three games, Tampa four games, and then Boston three games. I mean, that's pretty much how they've been going, though. Is that Major League Baseball just pretty much schedules the last month of the mm-hmm. season as all division games, like. Yeah, well, right. you know, speaking speaking of the uh, bullpen, um, two names that, according to John Heyman, that were linked with the Yankees today were Zach Britton and also Brad Hand. Guys, Brad Hand, named to the All Star team. Zach Britton, we all we all know what he could do very well. Guys, what do you think of the Yanks possibly adding to not because everyone's suggesting starters? We've all heard Hamels and Happ and Baumgartner and whoever. But what about adding just stacking that bullpen, going Royals fifteen and doing it that way? What do you guys think? I know I I know what Andrew thinks of this. It doesn't matter that that it's Brad Hand and Zach Britton, two of the top lefty relievers in the league. I mean, Zach Britton hasn't played this year, um, but mm-hmm. it's any lefty reliever that's a better option than Chase and Shreve. So yes, <laughs> like it's not even a question. It doesn't matter who it is. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I've been outspoken on on my Twitter all year that I'm a big Brad Hand guy. Uh, I, I do. Uh, I think it's his third or fourth year. Um, it, in recent memory, where he's team. been on the All Star team, yeah, he's been really good for an extended stretch now. And what he he can offer as either a lefty spot guy or a full inning middle reliever that the Yankees lack. Um, you, you add that to the mix of Green Holder. And uh, Batances and Robertson, like, oh, geez, that is that's mega bullpen right there. That that is, you, you could win playoff games getting three or four innings out of your starter regularly, like the entire postseason. You can go that way, and, and not that and you want that to happen, of course. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you add either of those two guys, that's that's unfair. Yeah, on uh, hands numbers this year, real quick: three point oh five ERA, twenty four for twenty eight in save opportunities, one point oh eight WHIP. Yeah, the guy, consistent, solid relief pitcher that could really help this bullpen. And, you know, someone asked me on Twitter, I think it was yesterday or maybe two days ago, it was, you know, they asked the Bronx Bomberball Twitter page and said, why is Jason Shreve still on the team? Why is he still on? And I basically said the only thing I could come up with is he throws the ball with his left hand. <laughs> like he uses – he's a lefty. That's why he's still on the team. I know, know he's not a lefty specialist. We all know this. He's – I'm going to curse – but he's, he's that's why he's still on the team because he throws the ball with his left hand. And man, I just can't wait to see that Yankees PR uh, tweet that Chase and Shreve has been DFA'd into the sun. Because yeah, Br- Brad Hand would be a phenomenal addition to this bullpen. And truthfully, I'd rather the Yankees go after a guy like Brad Hand than 90% of the starters I hear them linked with. Like, I don't want no mm-hmm. Michael Fulmer or J.A. Happ. Like, what are those guys? Those guys probably won't even crack our, the top three or four of our rotation in the postseason. You know, those guys probably won't even be factors. There'll be a bunch of Jaime Garcias in the postseason. Yeah, and one thing that's actually really aggravating me uh, on, on, in our Twitter mentions uh, the past few uh, it's just so many people saying – Oh, you know, I'll take Jay Happ if he comes at, at at the cheapest or whoever costs the Yankees the least to get. It's like, well, no, I mean, I why do you want someone who you're going to get at the best value because then your return is probably going to be the lowest. Like, 
if we're going to make a trade for starter, I want it to be the best possible option to help this team go to the World Series. Uh, I don't want just, oh, well, he was the cheapest guy and he's better than Sonny Gray. But like that, that's a marginal improvement. We don't need that. We need like a bona fide two or three. That's going to be a big impact acquisition. Exactly. And like, look, people just love to prospect hug. And like the sad reality is like, look, when you have as many prospects as the Yankees have, you got to trade a few of them because they all can't fit in your system. And you got yeah, to give up something good to get something good. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's mathematically impossible for them to keep all these guys. So they have the Rule 5 yeah, draft exactly. coming up this year. Like They have to trade some of them for no other reason that if they don't trade them right now or right after the season, they're going to lose them in, in December yeah. for nothing. Exactly. So you got to make moves. But that's what I'm saying. Like People don't realize that. They say, oh, no, well, all these prospects are the next Jeters and Rivera's. Like, don't, don't you know? It doesn't work out like that. You got to ship off those prospects sometimes, man. And as also, I th- it is. if, well, I mean, if you look around, like, you know, with the Yankees lineup and their setup right now, um, I mean, all these position playing prospects, like the Frasers, et cetera, like, look around the diamond and a lot of the Yankees, you know, a lot of their positions could be filled by players that are already here, like long-term, like, you know, you have, you know, Hicks and Judge and, you know, Bird maybe and Sanchez Gary and you are yeah. like all around the diamond. There's guys that could be there for years and years and years, like um, outside of maybe Frazier, like who could wiggle his way into the equation there somehow. A lot of those guys are might not be a shot and the best thing to use them for probably would be to trade for a starter. And I mean, I would love to get good value. Like I'm not gonna, I guess, prospect tug too much. I just don't want to trade, you know, the Yankees have one of the best farm systems in baseball. I don't want to trade a couple of these really good prospects and get back Jay Happ. I mean, he's pitched pretty good this season, but he's like a journeyman. Like the Astros mm-hmm. traded for Justin Verlander last year, and they won a World Series. So, I would, I would much rather go, I guess, big game hunting with that, you know, all that currency they have. And if not, then just do exactly what they did last year, which is beef up the bullpen, go get Brad Hand, and get the lefty that they can actually use, and you know, wait for that deal. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I, I agree, G. What you said is so true. Just to give up a good package to get Jay Happ, you know, that's just not moving the needle for me. With the Astros, that's why, you know, I've obviously referenced this before. I just was a big Bumgarner guy, and I know that the Giants are probably not giving up Bumgarner. I get it, but that's how you have to think if you want to make an impact because that's the type of guy that's going to make a major impact. Not Michael Fulmer, not Jay Happ, not – like the Yankees had a scout at the game for Nate Evaldi today. And look, I know Nate Evaldi, former Yankee great. Um, he, he's he been pitching really well lately. I, I get it. He was perfect through, what, six innings today against the Mets, which isn't saying much. But, you know, nevertheless, he was perfect through six innings. And even then, I still don't want Nate Evaldi. Like, why are we looking at Nathan Evaldi? Is, do we really think that, like, in terms of, wow, we're, we're really close. We're just – inches away from being the, like the favorites to win the world series. I like being exactly where we want to be. Nate Aldi is going to change that. No, he's not. He's not going to change anything. We've, we know what Nate Aldi is. So I just don't get the Yankees going after all these 
number three and number four guys thinking it's going to make a difference. Yeah, especially like I'm not giving up anybody for native only. Like I hate to say it. If your plan, Nobody. if the plan was to go out and get like a journeyman or a retread or someone like that, like I would sooner, I would, I would just as easily just bring up, um, you know, like, you know, like a Johnny Lasagna type or, you know, like a Justice Sheffield, one of those young arms and, you know, who's got the upside and, uh, and just let them give it a shot because I mean, Nathan Avaldi, we've seen that movie. We know how that goes. And Jay Happ, you know, limited upside move, really. Like, if he was if is he better than Sonny Gray, yeah, maybe. But, like, you know, would you be all that comfortable throwing him against, you know, the Red Sox or the or the Astros in an important playoff game? Probably not. Like, it might get you to the end of the season. But, I mean, the Jaime Garcia move got them to the end of the season last year, and they couldn't use him in the playoffs either. So Yeah, that, dude, that, that that's a great point right there because I saw a bunch of that on Twitter today, too. People talking about the the Michael Fulmers, the Cole Hamels, the Jay Haps are all better than Sonny Gray. It's like, look, this team's winning two out of three games every series right now. They're gonna make the play. They don't need a marginal upgrade over Sonny Gray exactly. to get they made to win the division. We don't know what Boston's gonna do over the next few weeks. And the Yankees schedule in August is a joke. So if you're not gonna use Sonny Gray in a, in a high leverage play, playoff game, you're probably not going to use the Jay Happ guy who you go out to get anyway. So, like that, what's the point of even making that acquisition if it's not going to be a guy you're going to throw into the fire in a huge playoff game? Like, if, if you're going to make a move, make a move for a guy who you you're going to throw all your chips in the middle of the ring for. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, look, this speaking of the Devils, the Sonny Gray trade last season that was a good trade. I know it didn't work out, but Sonny Gray was a guy that he had a like he has a high ceiling. A guy like Jay Happ does not have a high ceiling. Like Cy Young or Cy, Sonny Gray finished third in Cy Young voting a year. Jay Happ, I'm pretty sure, has never finished top five or top ten in Cy Young voting in a year. Like these are the things that just make a difference. Where look, even though Sonny Gray has been awful and it just hasn't worked out, there was at least a chance that he could have been a really big help for us in the postseason. Didn't work out like that, but getting guys like like the guys I've listed just they're they're not going to move the needle. I mean, the one guy I might be open to is Cole Hamels because I like the postseason experience. I like how he's been pretty solid over the last five, six years. But even then, I'm still not going to be jumping for joy if we trade for Cole Hamels. Like the only guy I'm going to be out of my mind if we trade for is Mad Bum. That's it. That's like the only guy that moves the needle for me. Even, you know, I'll be really happy if you get hand, but I don't know, man. Just going up against Verlander, Cole, Sale. Jay happened. These guys just don't move the needle. Bottom line. One last thing that would make me pretty nervous, I guess, not to be a prospect hugger, but just because you have the pieces doesn't mean you got to burn them in a trade. Like these teams that have these guys, like, you know, the Blue Jays aren't very good. The Rangers aren't very good. Like Nathan Avaldi, the Rays, you know, they're all right. Like, but they're teams that are building and, and I mean, Michael Fulmer, the Tigers, right? I don't think they're all that great. They just lost whatever, like 12 games in a row recently. They're not good teams. They're looking to build for the long term. And you have, you know, the Yankees, you know, on the phone who've got one of the best systems in baseball. I just, like, I trust Brian Cashman, but I mean, I feel like these teams with these, you know, middle of the road pitchers would come asking for like everything they could possibly get. And it's just not worth the cost, in my opinion, to get a middle of the road pitcher. 
Yeah, but 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 again, as a counterpoint, there it's it's a numbers game, and if you're not trading them this month, you're gonna have to trade them mm. at the end of the season when teams are locking and loading for 2019. I mean, they, the Yankees have like six new guys who are eligible for Rule Five draft status this year. Um, to to name a few, you have Dylan Tate, Justice Sheffield, uh, Chance Adams is one, and. Uh, you have the two other starters in Scranton. You have uh, Eric Swanson, Josh Rogers, and then there's a couple guys in Double A. Like, there's a ton of guys who they are either going to want to protect, or they have to trade in the, uh, you know, Cooper and Smith deals. And they got that guy, um, Michael King, who's actually been really good in Tampa. But like, you know, you're, if you're going to after the season, you're going to make trades then too. I mean. It's a numbers game, and mathematically speaking, the Yankees cannot hold on to every single one of their prospects and see how they pan out. So either you roll the dice and you get something to help you make the World Series or win the World Series this year, or you wait till the season concludes and you go all in on next season. But like you can't you can't carry this prospect load into next year. Mathematically speaking, it doesn't work. Yeah, no, great, perfectly said, Andrew. Honestly, because really, it's. You just can't hold on to all these prospects. It's impossible. But let's uh, finish the show. Uh, we're recording this Sunday night, a couple hours after ESPN had their little all-star announcement show. And, uh, yeah, so the Yankees that made the all-star team, obviously we have Judge making it, who will be starting in the outfield along with uh, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. Um, Sevy, of course, makes the all-star team along with Chappie. Sev- it's Sevy and Judge's second appearance. Obviously, they both made it last year. And Chappie's fifth appearance. And look who made it as a reserve. It's Glaber Torres. Obviously, his first year in the bigs gets the gets on the all-star team. Uh, big accomplishment for Glaber. And uh, Giancarlo is a uh, part of the uh, final fan vote, by the way. Um, not sure if he gets in. He might because, you know, there's so many Yankee fans. But Who else, who else yeah. is in the final vote? It's uh, um, G. Tagura, Andrew Elton Simmons, uh, Andrew Benatendi, and uh, – Santana, maybe, on Minnesota? Or Eddie Rosario, excuse me. I mean, I feel like John Carlos, he's got to have a pretty damn good shot at making it in, right? I mean, he's got, I think, the most, you know, name recognition. I was about to say, I think he'll get in because of that. And, you know, there's just way more Yankee fans than any other fan base. And uh, let's uh, let's talk. I wanted to talk a little bit about this because, look, this isn't a raised podcast at all, right? You know, despite being from Florida, I really don't care much for the Rays. But Blake Snell was not selected to the All-Star team. And just he's the best ERA in the American League. Yeah, if you, he leads baseball in the ERA. Um, he's 12-4 in the year with a 2.09 ERA. Uh, his whip right around one. I mean, he's had a fantastic season, and he doesn't make the All-Star team. And you just look at a guy like J.A. Happ, who made it over him, and it's obviously it's clear why he made it because each team has to have an all-star representative, which first of all, I mean, not to sound all like politically correct, but I mean, that's such a participation trophy thing. Like, Oh, every, everybody has to have the thing. Like, no, they don't. If they, if this team They're doesn't have any deserving team. players, guess what? You suck, get better players, have better years and make the all-star team next year. Jay Happ should not be an all-star with a 4.45 ERA over Blake Snell. Who's a leads. AL and ERA. That is pathetic. That's shameful. And another thing, Bryce Harper hitting 219, starting in the outfield. Like, please. 
this is ridiculous. I, I hate fan voting. I always have. It's so stupid. Clearly, the fan bases with, with the most people in it are going to elect their players like they should, but it's just a stupid system. I don't get why the MLB just can't decide for themselves. Look at the inside the numbers, hire a team of unbiased uh, people to vote for him. I just can't stand seeing a guy like Blake Snell get snubbed. That's BS. Listen, man, if you're if you're as heated as you are over the face of baseball, one of the faces of baseball, Bryce Harper, starting the All-Star game, I can only imagine how heated you are. Uh, let me just clarify for all of our viewers. Uh, Luigi is a massive, massive Buster Posey fan. Uh, I can only imagine what's going through his head right now that he just lost yeah. out on the fan vote to Wilson yeah. Contreras, who is a good catcher for the Cubs. <laughs> But the Cubs put in, I think, three of the nine starters. Um, that fan base is insane. If you guys remember a couple of years ago when the Royals had like six starters, <laughs> um, I can only imagine what, what Luigi's going through right now, having you know, Buster, Buster miss the All Star game. Buster's my guy. You know, I used to watch Buster when he was at Florida State. He was, he was literally the best college baseball player I think I've ever seen. 400 <laughs> career hitter at Florida State in three years it was phenomenal. Actually, actually came to FSU as a shortstop, and Mike Martin switched him to catcher which is pretty unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, the fact that he just doesn't, you just look at the numbers and there's so many examples of this each year and it's just not fair because, you know, a guy like a guy in the San Francisco Giants isn't going to get as many votes as a guy in the Chicago Cubs. It's just, it's not right. It really is. That's, that's a really silly rule. And it's for me just much more aggravating to watch um, like better players be left home than it would be to, I mean, it'll never happen for the Yankees, but it's much more aggravating for me to see good players left home, like Blake Snell gets the snub over Jay, like Hap, and much more aggravating to see good players left home than it would be for my team to not have a representative. Like, if they don't deserve it, then they don't deserve it, you know? Right. Like, you know, the Blue Jays or even the Mets, God bless them, they're just, you know, they're not great teams. If you don't have a good player, then – you shouldn't force it because like Jay Happ going to the all-star game with a four and a half ERA just is silly. Like, like just lay out. All Listen, man, you, you just, you just brought up the Mets as like, if they don't have a representative, pretty sure Jacob DeGrom leads the national league in war. So that might not have been a, the yeah, best was, example was, right there. <laughs> I was in position players, but I mean, yeah, it's, I was just, I was talking about a general, a bad team, a hypothetical bad team with not very many good players. Yeah, no, I, I got you, G. It's you're absolutely right, man. It's I like if just think of it, like put yourself, like imagine if you're a Blue Jays fan and you're just like, all right, who makes the All Star team from like Jay Happ? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I bet bet you even Blue Jay fans are just because obviously fans don't vote for the pitchers; they just vote for position players. I mean, just. I mean, yeah. like, I don't watch the Blue Jays every day. Is he legitimately their most all-star worthy player? Is that? Like- no, it's probably Solarte or or Smoke, who hasn't been really that great. Donaldson's been hurt a bunch of the years, so he hasn't had a good year at all. Um, right. So we can all. Have, uh, I don't think they have anyone hitting over 270. Like, like they're really not a great team. That's like some 2015 Yankees. So their most all-star worthy player is easily Vladimir Guerrero Jr. <laughs> oh, jeez. Probably. probably. But yeah, just all star voting is broken. Um, I fan there should not be fan voting because Blake Snell should be on the all star team. Um, yeah, well, if you look, here are the starting pitchers that made the all star team. Greatest fans can't say 
that we never did anything for them because we're right here, Yankee fan. Yeah, we're, we're, we're right here going to bat for their guy. Exactly. <laughs> the starting pitchers that made it to the AL All-Star team, Justin Verlander, Corey Kluber, Chris Sale, Luis Severino, Garrett Cole, Jose Barrios, Trevor Bauer, and J.A. Happ. I mean, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, like you just like wow, a lot of great pitchers. Jay Happ. Hmm. Just, I mean, I if he even gets in the game, I'm turning the game off. Like, I really hope he just because he's got to be the least like no offense, he's got to be the least talented arm on that whole that whole AL staff because every single guy you look at every single guy on the AL pitching rotation all deserving, all having great years. And then there's a guy with a 4.45 ERA. Just just terrible. Really terrible. But, guys, uh, Yankees tomorrow, Monday, it's a doubleheader, 4 o'clock and 7, against the lowly Baltimore Orioles. Um, you know, it's always tough to win both games, both legs of a doubleheader, but I think the Yankees could pull it off against Baltimore. I, that might be the team you could do it against. Uh, we got CC going in the first game, and then Luis Sessa going in the second game. Um, I never thought I would be less nervous for a Luis Sessa start than I am for a Sonny Gray start. <laughs> you know, like I actually have more confidence in Luis Sessa than Sonny Gray right now. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I am. And yeah, the Yankees right now, they're two, two games back of the Red Sox. Red Sox still have four more games played than the Yankees. Um, they literally never lose. Like I think the, if you had to ask me the Red Sox record, I think they would like 78 and 0 because I, they just never lose. Every time the Yankees win, they win. It's just, it's very annoying. But, yeah, the it's going to be four games in Baltimore and then four games in Cleveland, and then it's the All-Star break. So, Does, um, do the Red Sox have off tomorrow? Do we gain no, two they, of those? They play the back? Rangers tomorrow. I was saying that to you earlier, how, like, every time a Monday comes up, because, you know, we still have four fewer games played than the Red Sox, I'm saying, okay, the Red Sox can't play today. You know, we'll have a doubleheader. They won't play. Then we're only, you know, one – like, it's we're right back where we need to be. Oh, no, the Red Sox play tomorrow. And they play the Rangers, and you know, another below-average team. So – well, we'll yeah. get one game back because it's a it's a, right, right. a doubleheader. But then the Yankees have how many other doubleheaders? They have one against Toronto, maybe two. I, I one other game they're they got against. They made up against Washington. They're about to make up this one. I I don't know, man. I lost count. So oh, then they have the other doubleheaders. Out. Remember, they had two of the the four games against Baltimore were rained out. So remember, that? I think there's another doubleheader in um in August as well. Remember, today was the day with that the Yankees and. Blue Jays were supposed to play on Sunday Night Baseball. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's supposed to be today. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that would have been awful. <laughs> and one thing I'm looking at, the uh, the way the, the pitching setup for tomorrow, I think Boone did a really good, really good job of throwing CeCe out first in the first of the two games. You figure between him and Sessa, is going to be the guy to give you more length. So mm-hmm. ideally, you get through that game with using CeCe and maybe one or two guys out of the bullpen. And... Adam Warrens and whoever else locked and loaded for the night game if you need it. But at that point, hopefully you already have a win in the bank. So it's not the worst in the world if you lose. Um, as opposed to if Sessa pitches the first game and you absolutely shred the bullpen and then you're in a, a close game <laughs> in the second of the two and then you risk getting swept. Oh, that would be brutal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, oh. I said I said this on the, the last pod we had that Herman was going to need to go innings. And, you know, he did. Credit to him. Six innings uh, today or on Sunday. Set it up the bullpen nicely. Bullpen pretty rested for the doubleheader. And, yeah, uh, the Yankees will be facing – I don't even know. Yaka Bonus is pitching for the Orioles in the first game and then Ramirez in the second game. So, 
You know, knock on wood. But he's <laughs> really good lately. So hopefully, I mean, even what was the last time he gave them like six innings of whatever one run or two runs or something like that. Like another start like that, you know, CC's not where he's going to give you like seven, eight innings every time out, but that's totally fine. And, um, you know, offense, maybe score more than like two runs and make it a laugher. You could throw like the Adam Warrens and like maybe even chase and Shreve for a change. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Jimmy Yakabonis for the Orioles. He'll be making his second career start against the Yankees tomorrow. I was so, gonna say we've definitely faced him. That's how that name sounds familiar, right? Yeah, yeah. He's had 17 career appearances, one career start. So, yeah, his his actually his major league debut was against the Yankees last year. Uh, I think it was a relief appearance. He allowed four runs in one inning. Oh, so, good. Seems good. So, yeah, that's not what you want. But yeah, that's uh, that's all we got for today. Um, We'll be back after the Baltimore series, and then we'll be doing a uh, kind of mid-season show once the uh, Yanks wrap that series up with the Indians because we'll have a few days after the All-Star break. And, yeah, hopefully the Yankees by this time next week are in first place headed to the All-Star break. Um, Obviously, it's looking unlikely because Boston might never lose again. But for Luigi, G, Andrew, this was the Bronx Bar and Bow podcast. And, boys, any final thoughts? Scott Yeeters. Yeeters. Absolutely. I hate.